Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs. Zach Weiss with you, keeping this intro nice and short. Very special guest introducing him right after this on Network 216. Let's go! <laughs> All right, folks, he needs no introduction. He wore the number 25 in Cleveland. It hangs in the rafters. He's graced us with his presence before. This time we get to see the beautiful face that accompanies the wonderful shooter and individual that he is. Number 25, Mark Price. A pleasure that we get to do this again. Yeah, excited to be back, Zach. Good to see you again. And you too. So, Mark, what's been great about this season compared to the past, so we've seen more Brad Darty on the air and we've seen Brad Darty with Mark Price with John Michael. So what's that been like for you, getting the opportunity to join and work with your old pick-and-roll partner on the air now? Yeah, I'm excited to, uh, you know, come back on and with the Cavs organization. And it's come up about once a month right now. Go to a couple games, and they kind of have me doing all sort of, sorts of different things. Uh, but part of that is uh, spending some time on the, on the TV broadcast with Brad and John Michael and it's always fun getting to uh, reminisce with Brad and kind of jab at each other like we did in the good old days. And has broadcasting these Cavs games, it given you a different perspective? Because you've been a Division One head coach. Of course, you played at the highest level. You've been around the game. You had multiple sons that played Division One. But how has being on the broadcast maybe changed your perspective or taught you anything maybe you didn't know before? Well, you know, fortunately, I've uh, I've, had, I've done some broadcasting in the past. Matter of fact, uh, you know, a while back, I actually did did some broadcasting for the Cavs. I did a little bit for the Hawks as well. And so, uh, yeah, it, it is a different perspective. I think broadcasting, you're doing so much of it uh, on the fly. You know, you're, you're watching the games live in person. And so, uh, you know, you don't get to prep a lot as far as exactly what you're going to say. And so you just kind of have to you know, feel it as it, as it goes and kind of comment on the things that, uh, that really pop out at you as the live action is happening on the court. Yeah, it's always, always been something for me. I got into sports as an announcer, and that's where I started to find the joy, right? You get into a discussion, and then all of a sudden you want to tell people in real time, right, you love the game so much, you have this great energy for it, and you just want to get on the air and you want to show everybody that you have it, and you also want wanted to make it fun and engaging right that's what it's all about right we got john we got brad ac serena yourself and all the other guest commentators you know it's something where you all love the calves and you love the sport and then you come on and, and it conveys very clearly and it makes the viewer myself included among the tens of thousands of millions to watch even more enamored with the team because of the voices right that accompany it yeah, I think it's a great uh, it's a great thing the Cavs are doing, bringing a lot of the older guys back around because uh, you got so many of the fans that, that that loved our teams during that the era that we played, and so they're kind of watching the new while listening to the uh, the older guys uh, kind of comment and compare from you know our era to the new era, and it, I think it makes for a lot of fun banter, and uh, it, you know I think for the fans watching, it's a lot of fun as well. And on that note, Mark, you know, this year's Cavs team, certainly one of the weirdest we've seen through 36 games because they started out very slow, then they got hot, then it's been up and down. And then their star point guard has to get his jaw wired shut because he ran into seven foot four giant Kristaps. And you had Evan Mobley suffer a long term injury pretty much at the same time. And yet they're just winning. They're beating good teams. 
they're handling their business against the, the below average teams, just getting those wins. And we've seen so many players like the Sam Merrill's and the Craig Porter's that maybe weren't expected to perform like this. Merrill's getting called out by major companies now, the major accounts, the major media, while Craig Porter is making everyone wonder why he wasn't drafted. So my question for you, Mark Price, watching this team now at 21 and 15, they would be in the playoffs, no playing if it began today. What's your analysis of this squad so far? Well, before the season started, I, you know, I really believe that this was a top four team in the Eastern Conference. I think that's going to play out that way as the season goes along. Obviously, I think everybody's been a little disappointed with the quote unquote slow start. But I mean, there's been so many injuries and guys in and out of the lineup. They, I, it'd be interesting. You may have this stat, Zach, of, of how many games they played with their full roster. It's, it hasn't been many. And it's uh but the, the the bright side of, of all that are some of those names that you mentioned, the, the Craig Porters, the, the Sam Merrills, you know, uh, the guys that weren't expected to really play at all are uh, all of a sudden making an impact and kind of holding the fort down, so to speak, uh, while getting playing time that they wouldn't have got. Uh, it's been great for them. It's been great for the Cavs. And I think in the long run, when the Cavs get everybody healthy, uh, they're going to have one of the deeper benches uh, in the league. And so it should bode well for them come playoff time, uh, getting all these younger players some, some real serious game time experience so that when their kind of core four gets back and they have this bench bunch now added to it, I think it's going to make the Cavs a, a tough out come playoff time. Uh, there's no question about that. And uh, to answer your question, Missed games by starters are as follows. The only player that's played in every single game is Max Struess. The, the only player that started every game is Struess. The only player besides him that played in every game is George Niang, who were the two big additions. They've been the most ready. Allen's missed five. Mitchell's missed nine. Mobley's now missed 15. Garland has missed 16. And Okoro, earlier in the season, missed nine. Levert's missed eight. And Tristan has a few DNP CDs. So yeah, it's been up and down, but on the note of Craig Porter, Mark, who's shooting 50% from the field and just 16 minutes a night is averaging 7-3-3. Three, three. So if you per 36 his numbers, he's averaging almost 12 or 13 points per game, close to six or seven assists. He was undrafted, but he's shown such a nice poise in the mid-range, a strength to create his own shot from 15 feet and in. So my question for you is, do you see any any guys you ever played with, whether in Cleveland, Washington, Orlando, you see their game in a young Craig Porter? Yeah, I do. Uh, one of my you know closest friends and teammates with the Cavs, uh, Craig Elo, is a guy that, that comes to my mind. Uh, Craig was – he was kind of that utility guy. He could play two or three positions. Uh, you know, he could handle the ball. He could play the point. He could slide off. Uh, you know, I – I, I get a lot of, you know, reminders when I watch Craig Porter play of, of my days with Craig Elo on, on our team. And so uh, another guy, a blast from the past that, that reminds me because he has does have good size at the point guard position is a guy by the name of Derek Harper, uh, is a guy that comes to mind, just a guy that would run the team, you know, was crafty, could score the ball, good defender. Um you know, just an all-around good player. And, uh, you know, Craig Porter's definitely uh, in that mold. And so those are a couple of guys that, that kind of reminds – his game reminds me a little bit of. 
And if he can have the consistency, right, of of a Derek Harper who's spent an incredible career with the Mavericks, you know, before bouncing around a little bit at the end, and of the shooting defensive combination, right, of Craig Elo, I think that even if he never gets a chance to be a full-time starter in Cleveland, and it's way too soon to make that assessment, I think, right, having that type of guy around is going to – guy shooters are going to want to join this team if they're not here already because getting passes from him and running the pick and roll with him is going to be so fun and so efficient. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, he's made a, he's definitely made a name for himself with his opportunities that he's gotten. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see down the road. I know Cavs fans are, are really enjoying watching him play and hopefully he stays. But regardless of the numbers game down the road, I think he's, he's made himself uh, an NBA player and he will not have trouble of finding a team to play on uh, if that time ever comes because of what he's been able to do in a short amount of time here in Cleveland. And he's not even the first undrafted Cavs point guard of the last decade to make an impact big yeah. enough to reach to a significant situation a la Matthew Dellavedova coming in undrafted, starting games, then playing a key sixth-man role, and eventually the number two option in the offense on a team that, that took one of the greatest offenses in history in those Warriors down two all-stars with the Cavs to six. And then you get Craig Porter bringing that same tenacity and just bringing that I'll be ready no matter how many minutes I get Right. And for you yourself, Mark, when you came into the league, right, your first season, you weren't a starter. The point guard room was so deep. So what right you use that first season, you get any chances to show what you have. It's going to springboard you into further opportunities as you uh, develop your career. Yeah, no question. Uh, even though I was drafted, you know, 25, uh, first pick of the second round. You know, teams were really deep back then. Uh, Cavs already had a starter in John Bagley, uh, some other point guards on the roster as well. And, uh, you know, I was uh, coming in, you know, on the smaller side of things uh, as far as NBA goes. I was about six feet, 175 pounds. There probably wasn't a lot of people that thought I would, you know, be a star in the league, much less be a starter. And so I did play off the bench my first year, but uh, I think I showed enough to the organization that they eventually traded Bagley, although they did draft Kevin Johnson and I had to beat him out in training camp in order to get the spot, which was a big chore in itself. But, uh, but once I got that opportunity to start, I grabbed hold of it and, uh, you know, loved running these teams and, and playing with my guys, Brad, Larry, Ron, he was there. Hot Rod, Craig Elo, all, all those guys. Uh, you know, I love being kind of the, the engine that made it run. And uh, even though I could score the ball, uh, obviously I had so many weapons to work with when we played. And so it was so much fun for me every night, just the opportunity to go out there and run the show for the Cavs. Sure. And even though, Mark, it's, it's, it's been a little while right, since you last suited up for Cleveland, but with all the injury situations that have happened, let's, let's make a hypothetical here, right? And I guess we could we could do this in 2K for sure, but we'll, we'll do a hypothetical. So let's say you have the Cavs fully healthy lineup, their current lineup. I'll go current lineup. So with Donovan Mitchell, Dean Wade, Isaac Coro, Jared Allen. Starting at the point guard is yourself. So we're putting you, Mark, at point guard. So what do you think putting a prime Mark Price in this current Cavs lineup running the point would look like? And how much fun would it be to play with uh, these type of players? Well, it would be fire is what it would be, and no doubt. Uh, having Donovan Mitchell as a running mate, uh, those big guys, it just reminds me so much of our 
teams that I played with, you know, with all the big, you know, with Brad and Larry and Hot Rod, had so much length on the inside and the ability to penetrate and dish to those guys, but also playing with great, great, uh, you know, I look at playing with Donovan Mitchell would have been like my opportunity that I played with Ron Harper when he was with the Cavs, a dynamic, a dynamic two guard that could really get you a bucket. And so, yeah, I mean, you just got so many options. I'd, I'd be like a kid in a candy store, you know, playing with those guys. We'd have all kinds of fun for sure. And we'll definitely keep an eye, put on the VR helmet and hope that one day we, we get that fictional opportunity, whether it be real or not. Great to imagine. Cause you put Donovan all NBA second team, former all-star starter next to a 40% three point shooter, averaging seven, eight assists a game while getting 20 points a game in an era that if you translate now, Mark, you, you take those types of shots. Now you're probably looking at 28, 29, right, based on the higher scoring of the modern game. I'd say we're looking at a 60-win team. Well, it's we, we'd be very good, and it would definitely open up so many opportunities more, you know, for, for me because, you know, it's funny because twice I led the league in three-point attempts shooting five a game. So that just tells you, you know uh, – that's a first quarter stat these days for a, for a really good shooting point guard. And so, yeah, my numbers would definitely have skyrocketed in this area, in this era for sure. Just, you know, cause I, you know, probably not, I would be getting up 12, 13 threes a game. And so at a 40% clip, you know, that's, that's going to jump you up quite a bit. So uh, yeah, it would be a lot of fun uh, for sure. And, and the other thing is they can't ha hand check you and knock you to the ground all the time. So I'd probably be able to play about five more years. <laughs> and that would be one, right? You get more stats, more numbers. You got to probably get a couple more all-star appearances from the four you already had. And then we're, we're looking at, we're going to first ballot Hall of Famer right there. Well, uh, you're probably right. And uh, even though between you and me, I should be in the Hall of Fame anyway. <laughs> I agree. I agree. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what's going on there, but uh, but we'll see. <laughs> in a in a certain instance, you think about and there are there have been players that got in not only for the merit of their numbers but their impact on the team before, right? You think about and I guess what you'd have to do is if you can modernize the stats you put up. Because you average what, 15 points, three boards, seven assists, 40% from three, 90% from the line, including three straight years, 95% or better, which sounds fictional, but was very much real. And if you modernize those numbers, look at your field goal percentages. You never shot more than 13, 14 times a game. You'll probably take 21 or 22. And still with a balanced offense, looking at 25 points, eight assists, which – not, nonetheless, not to get too too far on this, but I do think, Mark, in the modern era, you would just – and I know you agree. You see it. You you call the games. You've been around. You'd just be such a fun player and definitely be a fan favorite, getting your highlights tweeted out every single day by the by the Cavs, by NBA. You'd probably be a house of highlights favorite with those handles too. Well, uh, my game definitely would have uh, trans transferred over to this era, no doubt about that. And uh... – yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, even I don't know what the what they're looking at for the Hall, but, uh, you know, I can't imagine many other first-team All-NBA, guys that have made first-team All-NBA, guys that have been 40, 50, 90 club, and, and, and all those situations that aren't in. Uh, there's probably not many of those of that, those that aren't in. And so, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see. I think they're they're slow on the trigger, but hopefully one day. 
And finishing out on, on your playing career, then we're going to get a little more modern here. But we talk a lot about your days with the Cavs. But like many stars before you and after you, you spend the bulk of your years with one team, as you did in Cleveland. number ended up in the rafters. But you played with Washington. You played with Golden State. And you played with Orlando over your final couple of years. So something that I feel like is never really discussed with players of your of your caliber, of your magnitude, Mark, is we talk so much about your one one team, like, oh, yeah, they finished there. But there's not much insight to that. So what was the vibe around your other teams based on how your experience in Cleveland was? Well, it's, it's, there's really no way to compare it because playing nine years for one organization, and like I said, it was, uh, I was so comfortable uh, with, with my teams here in Cleveland. Uh, to then go and kind of bounce around my last three years uh, with, with different teams. It's just the vibe. It's, you know, when you're only there for one season and uh, you, <laughs> you feel a little bit like a rent, a rent a player uh, kind of deal uh, in those situations. Uh, but uh, it was never quite the same as, as my years in Cleveland, for sure. Cleveland's such a great organization. And at those time, at that time, Washington and uh, Golden State, Orlando were, were trying to find their way a little bit, uh, you know, before uh, becoming good, good organizations and good teams. So, you know, uh, I was kind of on the front end of that with some of those organizations. And, and even though I enjoyed everywhere I was at, uh, nothing compared to my time in Cleveland. And I, anybody that ever I run into associates me playing with the Cavs and, uh, you know, and they say it all. I just didn't look right in a different uniform. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of strange. It's a jersey swap, right? Everyone's got their app out. Although back then it was real, but right now you, if I, you show someone a picture of, of Mark Price in a Washington Bullets jersey, they'll say, "How good are your design? Like, is that, is that <laughs> like? There's no way." Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, it just and it felt weird too. <laughs> felt weird wearing a different jersey after I'd been with the Cavs because I just. At the time, I thought thought I would, you know, start and end my career in Cleveland. Uh, it didn't work out that way. It's the nature the nature of the game uh, and, and the way it goes. But, but, you know, my heart was always with Cleveland. I'm glad to be back with the organization doing some things again. And, and uh, it's always fun to see my, see my jersey hanging in the rafters every time I go to a game. And hearing you say hardest in Cleveland, very reminiscent of what Big Z said. I remember when the Cavs traded Milgauskas to Washington back in, uh, towards the end of his Cavs tenure, and they ended up making a rule about this. He gets traded to Washington so the Cavs could bring Anton Jameson in, and Milgauskas, in a statement through his agent, said his heart was in Cleveland. He won't play anywhere else. And while, yes, he did play with Miami, I respect his decision to try and win a ring at the end of his career. Just great that all the guys, yourself, Z, Brad, the play, everyone, everyone else with their jersey up there, Larry, and all the others to come, AC, Bingo, the embodiment of Cleveland. Your prime years were there. You love it. And the, the vibes never change. The love never changes. And I think that's also what makes the Cavs such a great organization, right, is all these guys that play like yourself and all the others I mentioned. You have these – top tier careers and no matter where else you may end up, whether you don't live in Cleveland when you retire, that's always the place you look back on the most fondly and, you know, where you felt the most loved and really endeared. Yeah. The, the fans in Cleveland are special uh, just in that they're so, uh, so loyal to their, their teams and their players. And if you 
had any kind of impact on any of the franchises, uh, you know, in Cleveland, then, you know, you're going to be revered there forever. And it's just, uh, it's always nice. I mean, when I go back up to Cleveland, I mean, people just, they're so glad to see me. They're glad to see me back around again. And we just had a special relationship. You know, I don't know, uh, you know, Cleveland's a hardworking city and a hardworking town with hardworking people. And, that was what kind of epitomized my career. Uh, that's how I came. I mean, being small and undersized, I mean, I had to get out there and battle every night against great players and great athletes. And, uh, and I think that really connected with the, with the fans of Cleveland and the city and the community there. Quick transition here, Mark, but this is something I actually didn't know in real time. And uh, some people might not know, but we go back five NBA seasons. You spent some time in Denver, with the Nuggets as a shooting consultant with, with the 18-19 team, which was really the, the earlier edition of Jokic, Murray, and all the others. But being around uh, Nikola Jokic, who right now we think about this NBA, he's, he's doing some insane things, whether he's scoring four points and dishing out 23 assists or he's getting his 40-point, whatever it is, the bank shot game winner against Golden State last week. So while he was already an all-star in 18-19, he was still early on in that development where his stats are leading them to 50-55 wins. So my question, Mark, is what was it like to be around him? And then did you see the potential of him becoming the best player in the league type while you were over there? Yeah, you could definitely see that he just had a special skill set that other guys didn't have. I mean, a lot of people always looked at the things he couldn't do, right? He wasn't wasn't super athletic he wasn't fast you know but yet you can't stop him I mean he has such great touch around the rim he can shoot it outside I mean but I think the thing that sets him apart more than anybody else is just his passing ability I mean he's he's by the end of his career I mean no matter what position he's going to have to go down as one of the best passers that's ever ever played at the NBA level he's just his vision court vision is just uncanny and, and his teammates just feed off of him, and you can tell that. I was, like you said, I was with Denver uh, back, and they still have their core three guys and, and Jokic and, and Murray and Michael Porter Jr., and I got to spend, spend a lot of time with all three of those guys, and you could just tell that it was, you know, it was coming for them. And uh, I think the difference – with Nicola really taking it to a whole nother level was when he finally got serious about his uh, conditioning and his body and getting into tip top shape. I think that was one of the flaws that was holding him back a little bit early in his career. You could see all the tools that he had, but he just wasn't in great, you know, shape physically. And, uh, you know, the light bulb turned on, you know, a couple of years ago and he came back in great shape. And I think it just took off and he just started dominating. And maybe an unrelated question, maybe uh, maybe relevant, but a lot has been made of his, of his horse racing, right? He'll go home to Sambor. He brought Aaron Gordon out in the offseason, and he's big on that. Do you think it's it actually has an impact that he he plays, he puts all of his effort in, and then he kind of he takes a load off when the season's over? Do you think that that could play a part in maybe him coming back even better in that he – I mean, he's always known, that's he's, he's mentioned it's been his passion, but having something to focus on so heavily that can kind of keep you locked in when you're away from the game. I think that's even helped him come back even more focused, knowing that while he's here, he takes care of business, he gets his ring, but then he can go home 
and then he'll come back, no distractions, mind fully clear, ready to play? Yeah, I think so. I, I definitely think it's good for, for anybody. I mean, the, the, the season is so intense and so grueling. Um, you know, I really believe that guys need to have an off season where they can, can regroup and refresh, not only physically and heal up and recover from all the, the banging of a, of a season, but, but also mentally, like you said. And I think that's really, really important to have something outside of basketball, you know, that uh, can kind of just give you a break, you know, a mental break and, and so that you can come back refreshed. And he's obviously found that in, in, in his horses and over there in Serbia. And he loves going back. And I know that's where he plans on going when he finishes playing basketball as well. And then for you, Mark, when, when you were in playing, so you had, you had a lengthy NBA career. You were part of the league from 86 to 98. So what was it for you when the season would end and you'd take a load off? What would you get up to that would keep you keep you sharp, fresh, but also relaxed and getting healthy again? Yeah, I think uh, taking some time off, like I said, was always huge. Uh, you know, I started, I, I got married early when I was in the league, uh, started having a family, really focused in on getting to spend, because we traveled so much during the season and all that, uh, really spending a lot of time with family. Uh, was very involved in, uh, in our church when we were, were in the Cleveland area as well. I did some singing a little bit here and there that some people may know about, but don't. But uh, I always grew up singing in the church. And so uh, there's other things that, that I got to do that I enjoyed that kind of took my mind off of uh, the grueling part of the basketball season. Just to step away from it uh, until it was time to uh, get to work again. And you mentioned, you know, having a family. So you have two sons that play Division One, Brent Price, who spent a couple of years at Liberty, and your older son, Hudson, who some might not know this. So he played at the, uh, at Charlotte, where you spent a couple of years as the head coach. So a two-parter. We'll start with part one and come in with part two. Yeah, what was it like getting the chance? And you had spent a lot of time. If, for those that don't know, Mark, coached at all levels. He was in the NBL for a little while. He coached at high school, coached at the community college level, coached collegiately. He was everywhere. Spent time on the with the Charlotte Bobcats. He was all over the place. But what was it like to, and of course you coached him, I'm sure growing up and you got him started on basketball, but getting to see him play division one for you, what was that experience like? Yeah, um, it was great. And just to make a little correction, Brent, Price was my brother who actually played in the NBA as well. Oh, Josh Price. I'm sorry. Josh yeah, Price. That's on me. This is Josh. He played at Liberty. But, uh, you. yeah, I just wanted to correct that. But, Thank you. But uh, Hudson uh, started out at TCU out of high school, played a couple of years at TCU. And then when I got the job, I was with the Bobcats, and then I got the head job at uh, UNC Charlotte there in Charlotte. And then Hudson came and played for me for a couple of years. And that was, that was, a, lot of, that was a lot of fun. I mean, challenging in some ways. I mean, you, you know, you have the, the fans that are like, well, he's favoring his son and, and all these kind of deals that you have to deal with. But, you know, we had such a great relationship and, and uh, Hudson handled all that stuff so well. But uh, really, really good player for me. And, and uh, you know, I, it's just so much fun because, you know, how many dads get to spend, you know, just about every day with their college, college son. You know, it doesn't happen much. So just to get to be around each other and to get that extra time with him, much less get to coach him was a, was a, was a, you know, one of the highlights of my coaching career. 
for sure. And can you name any of the other, just off the top of your head, any other father-son duos of these recent years that, that had that similar opportunity to you? Because there's been surprisingly, it's a surprisingly large number. Yeah, yeah. There's, I think there's a lot, just a couple, uh, you know, you had the McDermott's, uh, mm -hmm. Creighton, uh, re just recently, Jim Beheim at Syracuse had his, a couple of his sons played for him. Uh, I know Steve Alford had, had, when he was at UCLA, his son played, played for him. Uh, yeah, you see it a lot. And I think, uh, you know, I think it, it's really cool. It can be, can be challenging from both sides of it. You have some people say, Hey, don't do it. It causes too many problems with everybody else. But, uh, you know, but I think it's just, you know, your family, you enjoy being together and you trust each other. And I think that's, it's great to have that and coach that on your team. And I also think it's crazy that we've had an instance now of Seth Curry, who's married to Doc Rivers' daughter, played for him in Philadelphia, and then Doc got to coach his son Austin in L.A. And I, so I don't think that uh, George Carl ever had Kobe uh, when he was when he was in the league. I don't I don't remember if they were ever together or not, uh, father son. But it's crazy, right? So talk about the, the college relationship, and then all of a sudden you're in the NBA. You're traveling, and all of a sudden, you got your dad on the road trips with you, calling the shots. It's like, man, here we are. Yeah, that 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 might be a little strange, uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, you don't see it at the NBA level as much. No, and we'll see. We'll see if it does happen again. He might get the. What would you think, Mark? If this does happen, it's been rumored for a long time. Ronnie James is currently at USC, expected to declare for the draft after the season. LeBron still seems to be playing not at the top of his game, but at a very high level. So what do you think that would actually be like? So we got the Griffies in Major League Baseball. They even homered back-to-back -back in the batting order. But what, would that, what do you think that would be like if we actually get to see LeBron and Bronny really officially play on the same NBA team? Well, you know, I think in LeBron's mind, he's going to try to make that happen. Probably he may have to buy a team. <laughs> he might have to buy a team to make it happen. I'm not saying LeBron won't make it, but, you know, he's just seeing a few of his stats at USC. Uh, I, you know, right now I don't know if, uh, if he's, you know, first-round NBA guy or not. Uh, obviously he's coming off, a, a, you know, his heart issue and, and things like that. But, yeah, I think LeBron's definitely got plans. And, uh, you know, the, the way LeBron kind of, runs things in, in some ways. Uh, it, it, it probably will happen at some point. We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun to see that. See James and James Jr. next to each other. Jersey numbers certainly be an interesting discussion, but yeah, would sure. would be something. Obviously, Bronny, I think, Bronny, I want to say he's wearing, he's wearing, do you know he's wearing six or zero at, at USC? I'm not even sure, to be honest. I haven't seen him play. It is six. Okay, it is six. All right, so you'd have to pick a new number since uh, no more six. Okay, we got one more question for you here, Mark, and then we will wrap this up. So Cavs, as we mentioned in the beginning, 21 and 15. Mobley's been out. Garland's been out. Missed a whole lot of games, more than anyone ever expected to this point in the season. But yet here they are, top 16, have beaten some very quality opponents, almost took down Milwaukee or close against Boston with these players not even available to suit up. We got 46 games left. It's going to be a ride. We're going to hear you on the broadcast. Very excited for 
thoughts on what's to come for the Cavs as we go forward with the season from the Mark Price perspective? Yeah, I think uh, I think if you're a Cavs fan, you still got to be really excited. I know there was a lot of expectation coming into this year, and some people have even been quote unquote a little disappointed. But I think with uh, the injuries that that have happened, I mean, to be 21 and 15 right now. I think they're in absolutely great shape, uh, you know, once they get healthy. And I think they're going to be one of the deeper teams in the league. Uh, I predicted at the beginning of the year they'd be top four in the East. I'm still sticking with that. And in what spot, who knows? I think you still have the favorites in Milwaukee and Boston. They're probably a, a head above everybody else right now. you got Philly there. I'm not so sure Joel Embiid has enough parts around him. Um so I, I think it's the future looks bright for the rest of the season. I think the Cavs could make a serious run. I think they're going to be a difficult out uh, come playoff time if they get healthy and if they get all the pieces uh, playing and, and working together. They got, like you said, 40, 46 games or so to get that done. And uh, it'll be a fun fun ride watching it. And hopefully uh, they've learned from last year's uh, you know playoff debacle, which everybody talks about. But you know, I think the learning experience going through that, the physicality that New York brought, I think the Cavs' eyes should be wide open this year coming into the playoffs, knowing exactly that, hey, it is a different season. It's a different level. It's a different intensity than the regular season, and hopefully they uh, they will grow from last year. And cannot wait to see how things continue with Jared Allen playing the best basketball of his career that's already included an all-star appearance. See Donovan Mitchell, knowing he doesn't have to score 50 right now, he can get his 50, 20 to 30. Other guys will step up. Sam Merrill, already 28 years old, showing that he has some serious NBA life in him, coming from a world-class organization like the Bucks that have already won a championship. And it is going to be a ride as we get the Cavs in Paris as their only game of this. So it'll be saying bonjour, oui, oui, and probably not learning too much French because we'll be in practice and eating croissants when they wake up, right? There you go. There you go. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully this trip and the jet lag and everything won't take too much out of them when they come back and they can keep the momentum going. They're, uh, they're in an opportunity right now. they got some winnable games against beatable teams. And uh, like you said early on at the beginning, they've been taking care of those games. Uh, hopefully that will be the case uh, as we move forward in this season and they can continue to jockey for uh, hopefully maybe a first-round home court advantage series uh, come playoff time. And you can ask for nothing more than that. And so, Mark, final thing for you here is you host the Mark Mark Price for Three podcast with Aaron Conrad. So for those that don't follow you at Mark25Price, and for those that do, where can they find your podcast? Uh, you can find it really on any, uh, any of the – the places where you do podcasts, I'm, uh, you can pull it up. Like you said, Mark Price for Three is the name of the podcast. Would love to have you uh, to play off. We usually discuss, you know, basketball in a couple segments and, uh, and have a faith section as well each week. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've already, you know, when it first started, I did not knew nothing about podcasts. And uh, we just recorded our 62nd episode uh, this past week. So uh, we're still going. I'm still enjoying it. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So uh, if you get a chance, check it out. And uh, I, think you'll, I think you'll like it. All right. Mark Price, thank you for joining today. and excited to chat again with you down the road. All right, Zach. It's always, always a pleasure, man. Good luck.
You too. He's Mark Price, Zach White. This has been Across the Chaos on Network 216. <laughs>